people who are more in the fight flight space. And it can be helpful because in fight flight, or when our sympathetic nervous system is switched on, its primary function is mobilization. It's mm. movement, you know, and so very often I've met clients who would be trying to meditate when they're in that space and they're like, I can't, like, I can't focus. I can't. And yeah, you know, because the, the body isn't really wanting to be still right now. It's actually needing movement. So TRE can offer that kind of movement to somebody yeah. who's in that activated state where physiologically it might show up as anxiety, insomnia, it might show up as IBS. Sometimes it can even show up as like eczema, suddenly flaring up. So that category of issues would also be supported by TRE. Hi there and welcome to Shift to Shubra. My name is Shubra Vanetti and I'm the host of this podcast. And on this podcast, we have conversations on topics that nourish the mind, body, and soul. Today's conversation is about TRE, or Tension and Trauma Stress Release Exercise. And what exactly is TRE? So TRE was developed by David Bocelli, PhD, and it was he's the creator around this technique and is designed to help people release deep tension that is created in the body when the body or that person goes through a traumatic response or through chronic stress. He's been spending about two decades studying and living this work and he's provided trauma relief workshops in over number of countries basically. And Diana is a practitioner for TRE, and she's also a practitioner for a number of other therapies, including somatic therapy, as well as craniosacral therapy, Jinshin Jitsu, emotional freedom technique, active meditation, Qigong, and yoga, just to name a few. And Diana's going to be talking about how tension release exercise, TRE for short, how TRE can really benefit individuals, especially individuals that may be going through a long-term basis of stress or have perhaps had a difficult event or two or more in their life. This is something that even, for example, pregnant women may have gone through where the act of just giving birth may have had some sort of energy that is stored in the body that couldn't get released at the time, and so on and so forth. So it's about how to deeply release something that's stored in the body that has possibly been stored because of a traumatic event or because of chronic stressful situations. And if either of these apply to you, then I would really, really recommend that you speak to Diana or any other TRE practitioner about helping you to naturally release this tension in a very gentle and very loving way through TRE. Now, TRE can be both gentle and intense, and Diana's going to explain how she does TRE in her uh, sessions with her clients, and as well as how this could benefit you and what is TRE all about. 
So I hope you enjoyed today's conversation and thank you so much for tuning in. Hi, Diana. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on Shift with Chibra. So just jumping right into the first question, and I covered a little bit in the intro, but I think just for our audience, you know, our viewers and listeners, what exactly is TRE? Like what's the full form and what is it, you know, what does it stand for and what is it supposed to achieve for the person who experiences or does TRE? Well, firstly, thank you for having me. It's really nice to be here with you. And, you know, TRE is one of these, it's one of the many acronyms that are out there. It very often gets confused with TRX, which mm. is you know, strength, weight training, completely different. And so TRE stands for Tension and Trauma Releasing Exercises. Very long and slightly intimidating name. I tend to refer to it as tension release exercise primarily because I feel that trauma is something that isn't necessarily released per se. It's like integrated. Experiences get integrated. So I refer to it as tension release exercise. And the rationale behind it is that we are using a couple of exercises to connect into the body as a way to reconnect with our innate tremoring reflex mechanism to discharge tension. And this is something that's really primitive. It's inbuilt within our systems. And you can see this with, if you have like a pet cat or a dog, or if you've seen ducks in the park, very often, whenever you've maybe given them a nice stroke, they might land up doing a little wiggle from their tail all the way up to their head and then they walk away. And that's their way of discharging tension. Or ducks in the park, when they land up attacking each other, the remaining duck will also do a little wiggle from its tail feather. Yeah, exactly does that all the way yeah. up to its head. Yeah. And then it swims away. And so there's this beautiful quote by a fellow TRE provider who says the only, the only mammals who don't actually shake are zoo animals and humans, <gasps> you know, like, who don't right. utilize that innate intelligence of the body are zoo animals and humans. And I, I love that image because really what happens is when our body feels safe, that's the foundation of TRE, when the body feels safe and when the, when the body feels allowed, like given permission for all the different expressions that might be there, actually the body's innate intention is to bring us back into balance. So that's really what TRE offers. And there's something about the use of the word release in the name also I want to speak to. So very often when people come for session, they're like, I want this big, explosive, cathartic release. And that to me is one part of what TRE is about. So release can happen at different levels because when we are beginning to allow that innate tremoring mechanism to show up, it's helping to move through areas of adhesion in our fascia and our connective tissue and enabling there to be much more of a natural pulsation. As those areas of adhesion get released, sometimes the connecting emotional memory also gets released. So that can bring out some emotional content. Right. But for me, TRE is actually much more interesting in terms of the ability to reconnect with our body and to be in a space of welcome to all the different sensations, uncomfortable and comfortable. Um, to all the different emotions that might pop up, joyous or grief. And also for us to be given an opportunity to kind of recalibrate and repattern our body. And, you know, I'm happy to speak about, touch on that, because that's quite a big point by yeah, itself. Yeah, please do. Yeah. 
particular pattern. For instance, somebody might come in with like a right-left body split, and that can be arising from having a dominant right side. Like if I use myself as an example, so I write or brush my teeth, everything with the right side. So, you know, the neural patterning is very much more in awareness of this right side rather than my left. But what that means is in a way, I'm, I'm kind of utilizing my body to not to its maximum capacity. One side of my body is very, very switched on and the other is practically asleep. And so in TRE, there's an opportunity to better engage, for instance, both sides of the body. Or there might be a situation where we are so used to connecting in with a particular part of our body and use that as a place of holding or for release. And again, to use an example of myself, I used to have a lot of holding primarily in the chest. This would be the area that would show up a lot in my TRE practice. It would be moving a lot. There'd be a lot of emotion. But then part of what TRE helped me to do was to connect or realize that this is actually in support of the whole body. You know, like this is just part of my overall system that I can use more than just this one area to hold whatever given experience. And so that actually helps to diffuse a charge from being so concentrated in one place. And now my expression in my TRE practice has shifted quite a lot from being very emotional and quite like jerky to one that's sometimes just very, very quiet and just involves fascial unwinding. And that to me, I find fascinating because mm. we then give the body optionality. You know, there's choice and maybe some moments, some of that strong expression of emotion is what is needed. But mm. then we now have other options if in a given situation that might not be the most skillful choice. So that's one thing I love. And I think having that option for choice, as well as having this opportunity to be in reconnection with the body that builds resilience, where over time we're able to be with more uncomfortable experiences and not feel overwhelmed this quickly that for me is like the juicy part of TRE yeah. yeah I mean so then you talked about like jerks and shakes and things like that so maybe we can describe to our viewers and listeners like what exactly does a session look like so from what I can gather already is that basically we store energy, obviously, in different parts of our body. And sometimes, I mean, and primitively, you know, to rebalance the body, we probably would have shook it off in that sense. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the song is now just playing in my head, so shake it off. But, uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, and, you know, like some people, you know, like after they go through something, they go, you know, like, and I think that's sort of where it comes from. That's sort of like, oh, I just got to yes. shake out that extra bit of energy that's inside my body. Like, oh, that was a bit scary. Or, oh, that was a bit intense and stuff by that but we don't do it enough and you know animalistically or primitively we would have probably done it a lot more previously so now what's happening in a session that's actually combining these two elements so actually just to kind of wind back a little bit it's like yeah actually it's in our bodies like why aren't we doing it right and I think there's so much social conditioning around shaking being a sign of weakness yeah. You know, that you can think Weird. about, for instance, mm. public speaking, getting on stage, the legs getting wobbly and you're like, oh, I got to like, I've got to grip my legs. Like I can't let people see that I'm wobbly. Yeah. And, and so we're so conditioned to brace ourselves, keep it in rather than allow that to move. And very often little children as well 
when they have a strong experience and little kids, they know, like they might just kind of do like a little flailing and then, and then they're fine. Mm. But sometimes when they experience a strong situation, parents who are well-meaning might come over and hug the child really tight and go, it's all going to be okay. But in that moment, when they hold the child so tightly, that natural discharge mechanism gets stalled. Right. The kid isn't shaking anymore when actually that's what they need. Mm. So just to why has that stopped being present? I think another thing is also that in our modern day lifestyle, we're so mind heavy. You know, we're taught in school to be like analytical and to be great at like dissecting things from here. Mm. Right. And there is often a disconnect with our body and what it's needing in a particular moment. So I think those two factors of that social conditioning of shaking appearing weak, coupled with just the emphasis of the mind over the body, has really led to us forgetting how to do that. And I think in a TRE session, so there's group sessions and one-to-one sessions, and they're actually quite different. So maybe I'll speak to the group sessions first. Yeah. So in the group sessions, I would say that the two key things that happen, which help to enable you know, somebody to reconnect to their shake would be firstly permission being given. Mm. So part of what I normally do when I start a session is that I would speak a little bit about what we just spoke about, this idea of tremoring being normal, like really Mm. normalizing it for people. And I will also do a demo so that they can see my body as it moves. Right. And for many yeah. people that can look a bit strange because maybe my body is unwinding and twisting and I've not really done anything, but somehow that's what my body's doing. But seeing that already begins to register something in the brain in terms of their mirror neurons, recognizing possibilities, you know, mm. possibilities their body might not have considered before or thought were permissible. So I think that sheer sense of being allowed is a big part of it. Somebody's going like, please shake, (laughs) you know, don't hold back as opposed to what they've been told everywhere else. I think the second piece is really that of co-regulation. So having somebody else who's in the room to hold space for their experience where maybe shaking is associated with fear. It's associated Mm -hmm. with situations that feel overwhelming. And to have somebody else's nervous system provide a kind of ventral anchor for them for the nervous system is also what enables that presence of safety for the body to release. Yeah, so I would say it's those two factors that are the main ones. Mm. And then, so in terms of like a personal one-to-one session then, it's just giving the person complete allowance to just, just let go. And I mean, in, in, a, in a group session, there's a mirroring neuron effect that's going on, but in a personal session... Is that something that's being triggered or not necessarily or doesn't really matter? So in the, maybe to just complete on the group session. So normally what happens after there's the demo, you move through a couple of exercises. So in TRE, there are typically seven standard exercises. For myself, like I'm highly sensitive a person. And from the get-go, when I tried TRE, they were too stimulating for me. I'd be just kind of like bouncing off the walls just from the exercises. And I found it too much for my nervous system. So in order to share in a way that's authentic for me, I don't use all seven. I tend to use the last step in those seven exercises that is really focused on engaging the psoas muscle, which is 
typically the muscle which is easiest to access for people when they first start in TRE. And that's really because it's so deeply connected in with our fight flight response. If you just think about the kind of crouching into fetal position so that we can feel safe, that motion requires the psoas to engage when we bring the upper and lower body together. And also just sitting at a desk all day, you can imagine that shape that our body is making. Again, we're constantly engaging the psoas in a very particular way. So that tends to be what we would be using to then move into the actual shaking process. And then after the shaking process, we'd have a bit of a conclusion, uh, a verbal sharing to offer some integration through words and using the mind to kind of bring some completion to the process that happens somatically. Mm. This is not that different in terms of what happens in a one-to-one session with regards to there being a couple of uh, a couple of warm-up exercises, there being the actual practice itself, and then some closing. But the difference in a one-to-one session, at least how I offer it, it's a much more blended approach. So mm. it's kind of where I would be taking in some of my tools from craniosacral therapy, um, also employing some somatic inquiry, uh, which is based off focusing to bring more awareness to certain areas of charge in the body. We would also be starting out our session with a bit more context. So we'd be speaking a bit more about what's going on for that person. Maybe there's a specific area, maybe there's a specific situation. And we'd be entering into the session in the context of that, in an awareness Mm -hmm. of that. But what can show up in the session might be something different, depending on what it is that the body feels ready to release. And during the session as well, I would be able to offer more tailored pauses compared to a group session where it's either self-directed or I just invite the whole group to kind of take a little bit of a rest in the middle of the session to ground before they continue if they're shaking. And part of that pausing for me is very powerful. Mm. If somebody is in the middle of a particular habit, if I use my own example of like a lot of movement in the chest and a lot of emoting and somebody who I feel safe around begins to slow me down and say, okay, come, let's take a pause. You're basically having a pattern interrupt right there right there where we would usually be going into like, oh, it's escalating or all this is happening and there's a pattern interrupt and we're invited to ground, we're invited to feel. And through doing that repeatedly, you know, the body's beginning to learn new patterns of what to do, you know, because very often when there's too much stimulation, for instance, if somebody's very activated, there's too much going on. They can't actually be able to focus on one particular thread. They might not be able to focus even on where where in the body right now is needing the most attention because there's too much moving through sensation-wise, emotion-wise. So that slowing down can be much better tailored to what that person needs in a given moment. And yeah, there might be more touch intervention at certain areas so that that person feels an added sense of support to maybe a particular area of charge. So then when we say pattern interrupt, is that going against? So because obviously this is also partly releasing, but then if you interrupt the pattern, is there a potential that the, 
the thing doesn't like the energy doesn't get released completely then mm. or is that so I'm, I'm I'm trying to discern obviously good thing bad thing in a way right because mm-hmm. if if something is trying to release completely do we want to interrupt the pattern that way or are we mm-hmm. what are we trying to repattern then that way if it's mm-hmm. being interrupted yeah, it's a really good question. So, I mean, I think part of what this idea of repatterning is about really comes from the notion of neuroplasticity, right? That our brains have the possibility of learning new ways of being and responding. And in that moment when somebody is maybe moving through a, a particular habit of their body to release using a particular part of their body, because that's what's known and the brain always uses the most efficient pathway, when we stop that temporarily or pause that or slow that down and introduce to to that person maybe what might it be like to hold this area instead or to bring awareness to another part of the body, suddenly in that moment, what was once maybe a very narrow focus of of one area that the body knows how to release from, it suddenly gets expanded to include a much larger area. To me, it doesn't really stop the release. It actually offers it a different stream of movement. So what can happen for somebody, let's just say again, if they're very activated and then they are invited to take a pause, instead of letting the body move a lot externally, they can become a lot more aware of the subtle inner movements. So instead of the outward movements, they might feel, oh, there's this very subtle vibration that's moving through this area oh and I notice that it gets caught right here and because there's less going on on the outer form they're able to then notice this level of detail and from Mm. that place offer it release so it can be almost a deeper kind of release rather than something that is more on the superficial muscular tension release right right so it's almost like Taking it from like a, as you said, like a very narrow focus, it's almost like then you bring it to big picture because then you see where the roots might be instead of mm-hmm. like looking just at the tips of exactly. the ground. Right. Okay. And so what was your journey that actually led you to find TRE? And would you be able to share a little bit of that history about where TRE came from? Yeah, sure. Um, maybe I'll start with that, like the history of where TRE came from. Sure. So uh, so the founder of the technique is Dr. David Bacelli. He's this very sweet man, like very sweet and kind and gentle man. And he was a humanitarian worker for many years. And when he was out, um, I, I think he, he was in the Middle East, there were a lot of bombings that were going on. And he was there with lots of other humanitarian workers from all around the world. There were also little kids there. And one day, I think after an airstrike or during an airstrike, he noticed that, you know, everybody had that same impulse to duck. So we're coming back to that psoas being engaged, right? It's like, oh, this is scary. Everyone is coming into that ducked position. But then after the airstrikes were given the all clear, things were safe again. He noticed that the little kids would do a little like shake and then they'd go out and play and that they'd be fine. Like mm. it was only if that hadn't happened and the adults didn't shake and he got really curious because he had felt that impulse within himself and he was asking his fellow colleagues did you did you feel like shaking and it turned out that you know many of them did feel a little bit of an impulse they just chose not to follow it because they felt they needed to be strong for the kids you know they didn't want to appear weak and overly affected by the airstrike right 
And this got him really curious. And he then, you know, moved into exploring body work. Um, he got, I think he got his PhD in social work and hence TRE was born. And so its original roots were to address shock trauma. And, you know, in his case, it was shock trauma in the case of natural disasters and the case of wars. But really, you know, I, I think for shock trauma in general, it could be sudden medical interventions that happen, things like that, where the body goes into a bit of a freeze and it isn't moving. Mm. And everything gets kind of contracted in the, the shock of that moment. So that was how it was originally designed and what intended mm. for, but over time, both through my own experience and working with other people, I can see that co-regulation piece I was mentioning just now and building a container of safety and allowance for somebody. It's helpful beyond shock trauma. It can also be a powerful tool to support some kinds of relational trauma that, that might arise from childhood. Mm. So, so yeah, that's kind of like the context of the background of how TRE came to be. And then in my own personal kind of journey with TRE, I've always liked movement-based stuff, you know. So I started doing yoga when I was 13. I was doing dance as well, all kinds of dance styles. And I think I was, I was traveling to Thailand. It was a very casual affair. I was like, I'm traveling to Thailand and I had no real plans. And so I just Googled, I think, events in Thailand. And nice. somehow, you know, the city that I was going to, this workshop popped up and I thought, okay, I'll just go. Why not? You know, it's just an afternoon. And so I went without very many expectations and it was a group session and my body was responding quite a lot to the TRE process. There was a lot of emotion. There was a lot of movement. And I know I was pretty comfortable with it because I've also done many years of active meditation. So I'm quite comfortable with, with some of the catharting and releasing and being able to witness it. Right. And so kind of left at that. And I thought, okay, that was an interesting practice. And mm -hmm. when I came back to Singapore, I carried on doing it every night because I'm like, yes, look at my body. I'm releasing so much. And I was really skeptical actually at first because I was like, okay, like I, I'm releasing all this stuff at home. I don't see what the big deal is about this. So I continued to practice by myself and I continued to be really skeptical. And then I decided that I would go and have a one-to-one -one session with somebody. Because okay. I was like, I want to see what this is about. And it was that one-to-one -one session that really shifted my perspective around the possibilities of TRE because what we did in that session was to really slow things down. Like in the examples I was sharing before, to really slow things down such that instead of my usual movement through the same loop, I was being offered different interventions, both through verbal cueing, through touch cueing, to actually realize different ways different possibilities of my body to move and something in me was very very touched by that experience that at the end of the session when I sat up I'm like I don't know what it takes but I'm gonna you know explore this a little bit more I want to understand this and share this you know so that's sort of how it began from a place of a lot of skepticism to one of I think a very felt desire to share it more widely. 
What was the shift that happened, do you think, in that particular session for you? I think it was the opening of my body's awareness to more possibilities of release. Because, you know, I've been doing that every day, right, since coming back from Thailand. And I was like, look at me, I am releasing. And I can joke about it now. But at that point in time, I was really feeling like I was doing a great job, you know, constantly releasing. And somehow in the session, it it just became very clear to me. It is some form of release, but it isn't really changing anything in my system. It's offering me a temporary opportunity to empty my cup. Mm. And then it gets filled again. And then I temporarily empty it. Right. So it's like a rinsing rather than a deep clean. Yes. Yes. And so... I found that in that one-to-one session, my body was like, oh, other than my chest, I have arms and I have, you know, the whole rest of my body to release from and to engage in in holding space for whatever experience or charge might be there. And it it was very illuminating for me also on another level because so much of like yoga practice or even like different spiritual practices up to that point for myself we're so focused on like being the heart you know and feel from here and so this area had been very naturally cultivated over time which is great it serves Mm. its purpose but it's even more powerful I feel to have all of our body online you know and, and able to be in a space of connecting and feeling and drawing from the wisdom from everywhere else not just the chest or the heart. Right. Okay. And so when uh, someone comes across here, like maybe why would someone come to a TRE session? Like what, why, why, why do people end up coming to you or why should someone explore this? I think people come to TRE for many reasons. Sometimes people come because they're just feeling really stuck. Like there's mm. just something that they can't name and they feel stuck. Mm. And you know, to go back to that sense of how TRE's roots were, that it was developed for shock trauma, or basically very supportive for people in the freeze response. When somebody's feeling kind of stuck or frozen, and they experience this inner vibration that happens in TRE, it's almost like a moment of reconnection to their body's innate aliveness that they've temporarily forgotten. Hmm. And in that sense of that movement, it comes with it the possibility of change out of the state. And in TRE as well, there are movements and waves. You know, there'll be the shaking and then they'll get quiet and then there'll be the shaking and then it gets quiet. And again, being able to notice that even when there is a lull, there's something after that comes of movement again. So it's very helpful, I find, for people who are in the free state. Mm. People who might feel dissociated from the body, disconnected from their felt sense. Because mm. it offers a little bit more of a dynamic entry into sensing. Mm. So that's one kind of group of people. I think with that would come other like physiological expressions. It could be lethargy, could be you know, some forms of like mild depression that can show up with that freeze response. I think people who would benefit are also those who are feeling really stressed, right? So people who are more in the fight flight space and, 
it can be helpful because in fight flight, or when our sympathetic nervous system is switched on, its primary function is mobilization, it's mm-hmm. movement, you know, and so very often I've met clients who would be trying to meditate when they're in that space and they're like, I can't, like, I can't focus, I can't. And yeah, you know, because the, the body isn't really wanting to be still right now, it's actually needing movement. So TRE can offer that kind of movement to somebody who's in that activated state where physiologically it might show up as anxiety, insomnia, it might show up as IBS. Sometimes it can even show up as like like eczema suddenly flaring up. So that category of of issues would also be supported by TRE. Mm. Yeah, and I think maybe people who are just curious, you know, just curious to understand more about their body um, would would find this practice quite fascinating. Yeah, because I'm trying to, I'd like, I think there's two more questions that I actually really want to ask, but like there's one, one of them is actually, why do you think, what's the benefit of people connecting with their body? Because obviously we live in an era where it's been for a while now, like decades, if not like a century or more or a few centuries of really focusing on the mind and disconnecting Mm. from the body. There's too much, there's a lot of homage towards, you know, intelligence and developing of the mind and quickening of the mind. And it's almost just like, whatever your mind can do and whatever your body can just make your mind get there really it's uh and not really paying attention to the body so what happens when that disconnect happens do you think or what's your take on it as in what happens when somebody is disconnected from their body yes i think a a whole variety of things can show up on a physical level sometimes it would mean that certain areas of the body need to become very painful or show up in more chronic ways before attention is paid to it. And so areas really flare up instead of giving some mild symptoms. On an emotional level or on a mental level, I think it can also lead to a lot of confusion when there's disconnection from the body. Because in a way, the mind is processing information, but it's processing it in isolation or overriding information from whatever the body is giving. Mm. And I think, you know, the research right now about how 80% of information is from the body to the brain. Yeah. That to me is clear reason why we need to pay attention to the body. Mm. I think there's so much wisdom in the body. And part of my intention in my work is to have people really befriend their body and all its expressions so that there isn't a sense of that inner conflict within themselves and they can feel more empowered to trust that they have deep inner wisdom and to make decisions in partnership of mind and body Mm. to make choices that are in alignment with their own desires because they can feel what feels good. They can feel what doesn't feel good in the body. It's very instinctive and that they can also feel welcome to be themselves, like whatever that might look like, you know, whether it's somebody who is normally just of a more expressive disposition or somebody who's of a quieter disposition or, you know, that that whole spectrum. So I see that when we're disconnected, it becomes a lot harder 
to feel that we have a sense of ourselves, you know, a sense of where we belong in the world, our place in the world, because on a physical level, if we can't feel this, then it's really hard to extend outwards from that place to see where do we fit in in the world. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's very beautiful. And I think that almost sums up like the shift that you want to create in the world. If there was a client story or two that you could share mm -hmm. on how Tiari has helped them, could you do that for us, please? Like as a general sort of shift yeah. that has happened for me, it's really satisfying to see someone move from a place of needing co-regulation to being able to self-regulate. So it might be somebody who in their first session might be sometimes spilling out with their emotion or maybe terrified of their body shaking to a few sessions on just being able to watch that area and to name it after to go like yeah that felt a little uncomfortable but I was watching it and I was noticing that it shifted and that to me makes me very very happy because it means that somewhere something in that person now feels more equipped to be with whatever shows up without feeling like they're not able to handle it and ultimately TRE is intended as a self-regulation tool even though it is much better to start off with as a co-regulated tool so mm. that the nervous system and the body, which hasn't been allowed so much all this time, can feel more at ease with whatever shows up. So that to me is like one of the most important shifts that can happen in, in a TRE session. But, you know, another thing that really struck me as a client story was a lady who I think by that time, her, her child was five or six and she came along for a TRE session and she reconnected with her experience of delivery and how because of the nature of her delivery and how her body was maybe restrained in some places, she wasn't able to really complete the shaking that was necessary after such a huge experience of the body and so that's what she connected to in mm. the session and that was very profound for her because she hadn't realized how much her body had been holding on to that that experience of not being allowed to shake and yeah. that was very healing for her um, I think I've also encountered people who might have been disconnected from their grief you know, maybe because at the time when maybe the loss of a loved one wasn't able to be properly digested because they needed to tend to all the funeral arrangements yeah. or, or needing to care for somebody else in the family who was feeling the loss acutely. And they were able to tap into that grief and offer it expression and not feel like they would be completely drowning at, in that sense of that grief. Mm move from a place of feeling like this is too much I, I cannot hold this to at the end being able to have the emotions come but to not fear them to not fear their own ability to to hold that and to not fear the emotion or push it away so yeah those two stand out for me mm, no those, that's really really nice thank you for sharing that I think a lot of just the mother, the one you were talking about, you know, I think I told you personally, but that was also something that I went through 
just after giving birth, like having massive, massive tremors, which I thought was from feeling really, really cold. And therefore my whole body was shivering. And I never really connected it to the whole experience of just, you know, the birth experience or the feelings that I was feeling leading up to the birth and all the nerves and the, and, you know, the feelings of whatever it was from guilt and this and that, that that I had to go and get induced and it wasn't natural, Mm. whatever it was. And all of that must've just gotten trapped in the body. And then finally, when, you know, she came into the world, my whole body was like, all right, let's let go. And I'm like, this is not the time right now to be letting go guys. (laughs) Not right now. And that was incredibly difficult because I felt like no one was really understanding what was going on. I wasn't understanding what was going on. No one told me this was even possible to have happened, Mm -hmm. you know, to have shivers right after you give birth until you spoke saying that it was completely natural that the body does a release um, Mm -hmm. like that. And I think that's for everyone to, to really know that sometimes when you go through something so intensely, and even if you don't really see it on the surface or your mind's not registering it as intense, but your body and your heart is probably taking and absorbing everything into the system. It's, and if, if it comes out somewhere, it's just, it's, if you have the abilities to just let it come out in a safe, obviously a secure way where someone mm. else can be with you, hopefully so that you're not alone while you just allow it to, to come out rather than shutting it down. Would you agree? Yeah, for sure. I do think so. And I think, you know, this this really speaks to there needing to be a lot more awareness uh, in, I guess, more institutionalized medical care around mm. some of the body's natural responses that happen after any kind of medical intervention. You know, even if somebody might be under GA, the whole body is still alive. Yeah. You know? And so there might also be a need after a strong experience to have some of those shakes and there's nothing wrong about them. There's nothing, yeah, there's nothing wrong about them. And to really normalize that as that body's intelligence of helping mm. to go through and come back to balance. Yeah, absolutely. And the piece that you talked about with children as well, like I think that's so important. A lot of the times is we try to shut it down when a child is expressing emotion, expressing through their body language, because a lot of the times their emotion is connected to a bodily response as well as a verbal and an emotional response all meld into one because they're Mm -hmm. still not so conditioned to separate everything out. And and I think as parents, I catch myself, I have to keep catching my my own family going, no, 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 let her, let her just let it out first. And then we'll gradually talk it through and, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> but let it be first because it's so important that it, it doesn't get shut down. Otherwise she won't understand how to deal with it on her own later, mm-hmm. you know, when she grows older. Yeah, it's such a nonverbal, very, yeah, it's just a very somatic experience for a child, you know, they're just like, and they just need to do that. And to kind of hold someone in in that moment, always, I think, I like to think with the best of intentions, it it doesn't always serve the child. Yeah, exactly. I think it's, it's waiting until the child comes to you or like just being at the level, just, you know, acknowledging emotions, letting it all come through, especially when you start acknowledging or when we say acknowledge is just really like just verbalizing their emotions because a lot of times they don't have the speech yet. Not to say that they don't know how to say what the emotion is, but they just mm-hmm. don't have the 
in that moment, their brain is not focusing on, oh, let me put words together. It's like as an adult, when an emotion is so overpowering that we don't have the words in that moment, it's mm. it's 10 times, if not a thousand times harder for a child. So mm. it is unfortunate that, you know, because of our own social conditioning, we've been told like, oh, when we're crying, the parent would have been like, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? And it's just like, I don't even know how to put a yeah. word right now. <laughs> I just know I, something feels wrong and I don't know what it is just yet. Yeah. Let my brain catch up. But so if parents are out there. I, I really, really recommend is to one, if, if you could do a session, for example, with Diana or another TRE practitioner, I think that's really, really important to just understand how your body responds. But the second thing is to if you can, is to allow your child to just really go through the motions mm. and just being, you know, going down to their level, kneeling down, whatever it is, and just holding space and just being like, you're upset, you're really upset, or, you know, I can see that you're really upset. Whatever it is, just verbalizing that emotion at the moment over and over until they finally come to a point where they can actually find the words again because it's completely out of their system, or at least as much as can be as out of the system. I actually love that you're bringing this up, like that maybe parents want to try TRE for themselves because I feel I feel parenting now like is so different from parenting was, you know, when I was a kid. And there's so much more awareness now and so much more, I think, and this is a generalization, of course, but like intentionality around how to be with your child, what to say to your child, how to manage them when they have a tantrum. And so much more concern about giving a child agency than when I was a kid growing up. And mm. I think if a parent feels uncomfortable with witnessing the body or experiencing their own body in its most primal, primitive, tremoring way, of course, it's going to be uncomfortable to witness their child moving through this because exactly. they feel like that's too much. Right. And I think when a parent is able to experience it and go, huh, look at my body, it's doing this thing and it's okay. It's okay for me to not control it. It's okay for me to not suppress it. It's okay for me to be with it. I can really see how that allowance to themselves translate into maybe a better appreciation of whatever their child might be presenting. Yeah, absolutely. And and from partner to partner as well, right? Because a, a lot of this is just really ingrained, conditioned, layered responses from things that we would have. And, and, you know, no disrespect to grandparents, because obviously they only understood what they had them themselves gone through. Mm -hmm. And so we cannot even, you know, there's no judgment on, and we cannot judge those who did not know any better or did not have the access to this information. Oh yeah. So if there are grandparents listening or, you know, or future grandparents listening, I highly recommend they also go through this to just help them reconnect with their child who's going to have a child <laughs> going to have their grandkid so let's bring it up the generation yeah let's just let's just clear the generational trauma and the conditioning and all of those layers because that that's already going to start filtering a much happier like generation to come when it's mm -hmm. when we're able to, to be able to express ourselves without you know inflicting harm on ourselves and on others and people around us but that comes from understanding from a 
co-regulation as well as the self-regulation space and knowing how to do that in a healthy and happy way. So yeah, I think if there's any other shifts that you want to create with your work, Diana, what would it be? I think what I shared just now is really, if I had to distill it, it would be that, you know, that people feel welcome to be themselves yeah, and all their different expressions and that they can come to see the body as an ally rather than an enemy, mm. which I feel is so... It's just been so much ingrained in our approach, our modern day approach to the body to, you know, to blame it, to Mm. cut things out. And, you know, that has its place, but to just kind of treat it as this like functional machine that does stuff, right? But to really see our body as as the vehicle that we are moving through the world in and that is alive at every cell and taking in information and experiences and has so much wisdom I think to to see the body as an ally Mm. um, that would be a big part of it that's perfect I think that's the best way that we should end this conversation on because I think so 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 key yes I think we Mm. we totally have not seen our body as an ally and we haven't really been respecting it as so it's always been blaming it you know devaluing it getting angry at it Mm. and and I only recently understood that, you know, when we do that, we add more energy onto it in that Mm -hmm. way, right? So we add more weight, more blockage, more tension, more pain by just adding that sort of like our body is our enemy. It's not doing what we want it to do and things like that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's a that was a really nice way. I think I'm going to cut my my own voice out of that because I can't. Went back to the nasty stuff. No. (laughs) But yeah, no, I think that was a beautiful way of ending it. Thank you so much, Diana, Mm -hmm. for coming on the podcast. Thank you for coming on Shift to Chibra. Thank you for everyone joining in. And I will be sharing Diana's details below in the show notes of the episodes on the elemental practice is where Diana is going to be based. That's going to be a website as well as contact details down below. Thank you so much, Diana, again for coming on. Thank you.